Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Buckus Beyond the Line here from the AmericanEagle.com podcast studios. This podcast is going to focus on football, not just any kind of football, high school, college, professional. It's all through the lens of the linebacker position, of course, not just any linebacker. One of the greatest of all time, Chicago Bear Hall of Famer Dick Buckus and everything that Dick has brought to the game. We are your hosts. I'm longtime sports executive Pete Hassan. I am joined by former Baylor Bear and football enthusiast Matt Amendola. Hello. Nice to be here. Matty, you've been involved in the game a long time. I have. Tell us a little bit more. Absolutely. My father's a coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach from Houston. My brother has been playing in the league for 13 years. It's just been you know, a great time. I've known Matt over 10 years. We've talked over many football games, high school, college, and pros. So it's a pleasure to be associated with the uh, the foundation, the trophy, and um, yeah, really get an inside look at the future of linebackers. Well, Matt alluded to the other Matt in the room, the son of Dick Buckus, and a, a USC Rose Bowl champion himself, and really uh, the hard work that goes into being the director of the Buckus Award, Matt Buckus. Matt, welcome. Hello, thank you. It's great to be here and in our following shows all year. We'll have my dad on as the first guest today. This podcast is really, you know, Matt and Matt, we're going to use this as a platform for sure to talk about the Buckus Foundation, the Buckus Award, what all those players are doing and how they're contributing both on and off the field. But it's about football, too. We want to talk about football. Oh, yeah. We want to talk about the linebacker position, all those guys. We want to talk about the game at all levels, high school, college, and pro. And we want you guys out there listening to join in and uh, interact with us on those topics. They're passionate for everybody who's listening. So this is going to be fun, too, man. Yeah, many stories about me going to surprise our winners. You know, we're the only one of the awards that does that. We go to them. And uh, each guy's different. Each guy's great in his own way, on and off the field. Some of these guys, you probably don't know what they do off the field. We'll be able to share what they're doing. Great people. So it's it's a fun job, actually. It's it's not even work. Of go. all the positions, obviously quarterback and wide receiver, there's a lot of personalities. I think the linebacker position, you know, the personalities starting with your dad and moving on forward and you think about – you know, Singletary and Keekly and all these names, the personalities that are there that are so celebrated, this podcast is going to be doing that. It's going to be celebrating those. It's going to be keeping an eye on the prospects that are coming up in the pipeline, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. But we've had even more fun talking to the man behind it, number 51, Dick Buckus, who is credited with having defined the middle linebacker position. He's viewed as the gold standard by which all other middle linebackers are measured. Inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1979, that famous 51 jersey, which we all know we see all over Soldier Field in Chicago, not only in football season, but in and out of football season. It's everywhere. It's iconic. That number was retired by the Bears. He is beloved in not only football circles, but entertainment circles. Anybody who is from Illinois considers him one of not only Chicago, but Illinois' favorite sons, the Dick Buckus. Dick, welcome to the Buckus Beyond the Line podcast. Good. Thank you. It's good to be here. Matt, I know. Uh, look, it's your dad, right? So, right. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, how many <laughs> times can you have a question and answer session with your dad? But this is a unique one since it's our podcast. There's got to be things about your dad that we can start to talk about here today since we have them that most of our listeners probably don't know. Right. And there's a lot of interesting things that people don't know. That's right. 
is if he wants to get into it, there's a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of funny things. He's a great guy. He's a, a perfect dad and a great character and a funny guy. He has a sense of humor, which a lot of people don't know. So, Dick, let's just touch on the family for a minute. You know, you obviously being from Illinois and then having your career here, but then having everything go on outside of your football career. Nine years, right, Dick? You played nine total years in the NFL. Is that right? Right. And then went on to uh, other things, endorsements and movies and entertainment. Moving your family around, was that a hard thing to do? I mean, you were you were entrenched in one area for so long, but then, you know, moving, I think, Florida and California. When the career was starting to go, uh, I, was, I was having trouble with my knee after the great surgeon that the Barris had uh, botched, it, botched the operation. The last two, two and a half years, I played virtually without even practicing. So I saw the writing on the wall and, you know, we, through my representation, we tried to ask the Bears, you know, let's, let's send Dick to Mayo Clinic and get the need done. Let's go for next year. Uh, the Bears weren't going anywhere that year anyway. The Bears declined to do that. And they said, we believe in our doctor. And, you know, after talking to George Atlas, he said, you know, you either play or you don't get paid. I had three years left on a four-year contract. And back in those days, 65 or whatever, when I came in, they had no-cut contracts. And a lot of players did sign no-cut contracts, but they turned out to be lousy players or lousy pros. And the NFL, the owners, got together and said, well, wait a minute, we, you know, we're paying a lot of these guys. They're not really as good as they seem to be in, from college. So... That was changed, but my original contracts were always no cuts, and the last one was even still a no cut. It was a four-year deal. I played one year. So I thought, well, okay, maybe I'll get into coaching because what else am I going to do? Football was my life, and, you know, I wanted to stay in it. They kind of shut the door to that. And the last thing I said or was told by George Alice, he says, get a damn lawyer. Because if you don't play, you're not getting paid. So, right. well, I'm like, Jesus. So my representation, uh, Zed Keating at the time with uh, the guys in uh, Cleveland, they started going back and forth, back and forth. So then they told me, you know, you're going to have to hire a judge because we're out of Ohio and you'll need some representation there in Illinois. So we interviewed this one guy a guy named James Dooley. He was an attorney, a very prominent personal injury lawyer. When I first met him, he asked me to tell the story, you know, what's, what's been going on, you know? And so, and I, when I'm looked over to him and I see him, he was like, I thought he was sleeping. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I kind of like make some, you know, like that. and I don't know whether he was listening to me or what. Some people so, think that about me every now and then, Dick. <laughs> they, 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 Matt, Matt, Matt look at me every now and then goes, he's sleeping. <laughs> So then uh, he woke up and he just said, well, I'll take this case on. But you know, you're not going to get any good publicity because Dan Rubin, who's an attorney for the Bears, is also an attorney for the Chicago Tribune. So mm. you're not going to get any good publicity out of this. And uh, believe me, I didn't. You know, I was, you know, even one of my brothers was saying, like, what are you doing? You know, and, and you know, I just thought, well, OK, if I, if I couldn't get into coaching, what am I going to do? So it took two years. They froze me out for two years. I could not get hired by anybody as far as TV or another team to, to maybe 
become a coach or I mean I was just left high and dry and I said you know something screw this we're out of here and we moved to Florida and two years later my attorney calls me he said uh, okay they're gonna settle so we're in the judge's chambers room there and my guy went after everybody the hospitals the team doctor everybody and they're all there in a group and they're all like laughing. And there was an insurance guy for the hospital. It was a real nice guy. He would ask one question at the depositions. And uh, were you mistreated or whatever at so-and-so hospital? And I'd say no. And he said, no further questions. So he's back there. And he, no, he, he was a good guy. And he said to one of the bear lawyers, he says, hey, how would you have liked to try this case? And they all start laughing and saying, we're going to touch this case with a 10-foot pole. We would have no chance of winning it. And I'm sitting there hearing this, and I'm saying, you son of a bitch. Right. For two mm-hmm. years, you kept me from doing what I you know, really wanted to do. Unbelievable. And it was a goddamn joke to you yeah. guys. So right. I went over Pretty to selfish. Julie's office, and I was hot. He said, uh, okay, you know, remember we, we, we talked uh, about, you know, my fee was a third and I said, yes, sir, it was. And so he started adding things up. He said, well, you know, when I was running for the Supreme Court judge here in Chicago, you helped me by handing out pamphlets at the IC stations and all that. And he said, you know what? Forget about it. You know, I, I don't charge you nothing. And I'm like, really? And he says, it's free. And so that's uh, so when I left and uh, we were in Florida. So I started working with uh, Arthur Jones, who invented the Nautilus machines. Mm-hmm. I figured that would be some way I could stay in the sports. So you packed I up could. the whole family. You moved down to Florida. Yeah. You figured out football's done. I have to kind of figure out a new thing to do here. And you were already connected with Nautilus, right? So that that kind of set you down this new path. What well, about that's... the uh, tell him the story about how we got down to Florida? What do you mean? <laughs> Literally. Oh, we got down to Florida with mom and the camper. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, Elkhart, Indiana, there's some guy, bear fans there. And so I bought a, a, a camper that goes on, on the back of a pickup truck. So I drove, I had a place in Marco Island. So we we're going to move to go down to Florida. And so I put Matt, the two other kids, and my wife in the back and drove straight through my <laughs> 18 hours and boy, she was hot. You ever uh, see, you ever see vacation with Chevy Chase? Was that, was that like, was, was, uh, didn't stop or nothing? <laughs> this is life after <laughs> yeah, football. Yeah. The, <laughs> you got pile everybody in the family trucks there, huh? And you moved when them I on down. There, I traded it in and bought a boat. Right <laughs> <laughs> off the bat. So and life in Florida been. starts out Nautilus and you're doing some of that. How do we get to California? You started acting. Well, I got a call you know, for the Miller Lite commercials because you can't advertise alcohol while you're a, a member. But they had this campaign going on with different athletes. Yep. Very well-written, funny stuff. So they asked me to do one. So I did one. And then for some reason or another, they hooked me and Bubba Smith together and we started doing them. And we both started getting calls out here to hey, they want us to be a guest on this show, guest on that show. And then one thing led to another. And we did a couple pilots for our own show. So I was going back and forth, back and forth from Florida to 
the California. And so my wife said, listen, if you're going to do this, we got to move. So we picked up everybody and I said, all right, let's give it two years and uh, see what happens. So we came out here and rented and put the kids in school and and uh, we never left. I think that the Miller Lite commercials are probably going to be a whole separate episode. And if you're okay with it, so the plan here is Dick's going to be a recurring guest on this podcast. Obviously, you can't have a Budkiss podcast, right, without having – we have Matt, which is going to be a solid thing. Every episode we have a Budkiss relation. But to have Dick on from time to time is going to be key. I think we can do one whole episode with your dad on those Miller Lite commercials sure. because there's so much there that is taste great, less filling. Like there must have been so many stories from that, Dick, that we'll have to tap into at some point. But if any of our listeners remember those commercials and look them up there on YouTube, you have Euchre, you have Bubba oh, Smith, Bob you Euchre. have you have, I mean, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, right, Dick? I mean, you, you had a yeah. who's who in those yeah. commercials, so that launched your career and really kind of put California as your base. And you got to raise your family out there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I say. You know what? You know, I had to find what was second best. Thirty-one years old. It's kind of tough. That's yeah, what I've been I, talking to a couple of our Butkus Award winners that have played pro that have already retired. Yeah. E. Lou Keekley. Yeah. You know, I've had long talks with him about you know talking about my dad, and now you, what do you have to find? what you love second best when you're 30 years old. It's kind of tough. So that's what he's doing right now is trying to figure out what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. It can be a tough transition, definitely. Yeah, that's the key part of, you know, watching somebody like yourself transition into such a successful second career. I think it's still a model for a lot of current players, both in uh, football and other sports, to see that there's opportunity off of the playing field that become very, very lucrative. But, Matt, so, you know, you guys move out to California. You grow up out there. You know, yep. you become a Malibu kid, a California kid, a <laughs> yep. USC Trojan. You know, talk a little bit about the experience in living with your dad as kind of a not only an NFL superstar, but now a, a Hollywood superstar. Right. yep. He still had his chores from my mom, which was taking <laughs> me to school at four in the morning every day because we would we'd lift for football and stuff like that. So we'd cook and we'd have breakfast and we'd go at four in the morning and my parents would be at all the games and, you know, not the rah-rah parents, leader of the glee club, but they would sit up there in the stands and, you know, they had three kids, I have an older brother, Ricky, Rick, and an older sister, Nikki, and... We all played sports, and they would be there. They made every game of every every kid. And then he also worked at NFL Today, so he'd watch my game and take the red eye to New York every weekend. It was great to have them around. Are those great memories, Dick, those times? Do you recall anything really uh, special about that, or was it just in your mind? It seems tiring. <laughs> it's three kids, you, you, you'll all be, that going on. You'll be figuring it out here soon. <laughs> yeah, I got one kid, and he tires me out. I don't understand how you did it, Dick. Oh, well, we it was fun going to the games because I'd be up in the stands, and I'd see something, and I'd he'd look up and signal to him, and then, boom, he'd make a play or whatever. It was uh, He would just turn and look up at the stands, and I'd – be <laughs> motion, motion. Give him the, you give him the old yeah. clothesline. Uh, give, give him the clothesline. So, did your brother play as well? Did Rick play? Did Rick, Rick played in high school. He was actually pretty good. Made he was an outside linebacker, and then uh, he just Saint Monica. yeah, yeah. Saint Monica's was the 
Catholic high school. So it's a family affair, obviously, and Matt Amendola knows about that. I mean, obviously, your brother, an NFL player, you were a college player. Mm-hmm. Um, my, da- my dad's a coach. Your dad's a coach. Hall, I mean, the, the football, 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 kind of being life, Dick. Like you know, like it always just being a part of the DNA of the family. And Matt, I mean, you could probably talk to that. It just permeates everything that you do, and it kind of leads to other opportunities too, but it's the lifeblood, right? Absolutely. I mean, growing up in Houston, there's a lot of, um, I wouldn't say pressure, but coming from a pretty well-known high school coach, I do remember waking up at 6 or 5.36 in the morning, getting to practice, you know, shoving down a powdered shake when you don't really want to, <laughs> folding a waffle in half and, and hitting it, trying to get, you know, all your pads in your pants before the dew dries. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you try and hustle. You know, they actually called our garage Houston Sweatbox. <laughs> and so people would come over. They'd be like, what are you doing? What are you nuts? And I'd be like, oh, and then I would literally just be just just pouring down with a makeshift power clean floorboard inside the garage. So I don't know. It was cool. Speed bags. And, you know, not many other people had, I guess you could say, squat, full squat rack in there. So, in so their garage. So, so yeah. yeah I mean, Dick, you had the Nautilus thing going on that you alluded to and. <laughs> Did that elude the family, uh, Rick and Matt, to have some workout experiences that maybe the other kids weren't? I still have in my driveway, I have about 13 Nautilus machines. So they've been out outside here for 20 some years. Now the pads are kind of a little bit worn a little bit, but I still use them. When I was growing up, see, like today, everybody knows that the advantage, the help that you can get by proper strength training. Well, when I was young and playing, I would see a kid maybe on the team, high school team now, like a lifter and everything else, but he wasn't a very good player. And I'd say, see, that's why you're no good is because you're lifted. And yet I didn't virtually lift weights to lift weights. I was working like construction. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a furniture mover at 15 years old. So I'm carrying you know, stoves and dressers, and walking up three flights of stairs there in Chicago. So I was essentially doing the weight training and I didn't even know it. You know, I, I just did it to keep in shape. So when I finally had some problems with my knees, I did a quarterback club in Deland, Florida, of all places. Huh. And that's where Nautilus is at in Deland. And so I, well, Lake Kellum, which is next door. No idea. So, yeah. They arranged, the guy that brought me down there arranged a meeting with, with Arthur, and we started talking, you know, because I was looking for help. I said, I need some help with my leg. So I went down there during the offseason, and he said, the joint is virtually gone. But he had a guy there, Casey Viator. I'll never forget. I mean, the guy was like the young, one of the youngest Mr. Americas. And there were people from the NFL would come down and say, yeah, you know, you don't want to get muscle bound because it slows you down. And then Arthur would take him outside on the street and measure off 100 yards. And he said, you bring any athlete here and let's let's see how how slow Casey is. And I'll be damned. Casey would fire out like he was shot out of a can. You know, he was so fast and he was muscular. And that was the deal. If you develop your muscles properly, you don't lose speed. You don't, you in fact, get even more flexible. So I thought, where were you, you know, 15 years ago? Right, right. Well, that's when I thought I'd start working with him. And he was cool, man. I wanted the machines and he made me buy them. I, he didn't give me nothing for free. 
So and, and it stuck with me that you know you get something for free half the time you don't use it. Right. You know? He said one time that you know if the he did have my dad fifteen years ago that he'd be illegal out on the field. He'd be <laughs> yeah, Superman. Right. Just think if he was conditioned it, correctly. Wow. <laughs> That's oh, that's scary to think about. That's scary to think about. And I th- I'm sure there's a lot of guys that played against Dick that would be even more scared to think about that. But, you know, you touched on, the, you know, kind of what you saw in high school kids. And, you know, you, you had all this experience. And tell us between you and Matt the origins of the Buckus Award. Like, when did that come about, Dick? And, you know, obviously the Buckus Award is more than just – for play on the field. It's, there's a lot to it off the field, but tell us a little bit about where the origins of it, guys. Like, Where did this come from? Why did you want to do it? And uh, how did this start? I got a call from a guy uh, in Florida, Steve Finley, who was a member of the Downtown Athletic Club of Orlando. And he said, well, you know, there's all these awards and everything else, and we would like to start a linebacker uh, award aimed after you. You know, I thought about it. I said, well, whatever. I said, all right, but, you know, it's got to be a classy affair and it's got to something, any profits from the award dinner or anything like that should go to charity. So that started in 84. And of course, Bosworth was the first winner the first two years because they thought, you know, he was what he was at that time. And they thought that the publicity would be great. It went along for a while and... I just asked him, I said, you know, the audience, it doesn't seem like it's getting any bigger. Now, I know Orlando's not the media mecca of the world, but <laughs> I would think as years go by, we would, you know, have an increase here. And the guy said, well, this is just for members. I said, for members? He says, yeah. I said, well, well what? where's the <laughs> second part of this deal? Where, where, does, where does the charity come in? Right. If the members party... And it was like their Christmas party. So then I said, ah, forget about it. Then I'm, I'm not coming down. And then the one guy said, well, that's all right. John Heisman doesn't go to his award dinner. And I'm like, <laughs> what a bunch of. So we got the rights back of my name. You know, we had, they were threatening us and this and that. So we got the name back in 2008. And that's when we, we added the high school award and the pro award. The pro award is kind of like, it's there, but we really want to hone in on the high school kid and the college kid. It's funny how it's worked out where now these high school and college players are able to get receive some numeration from using their name, which is, I think, perfect. So that's why we have on the award, you know, we request that the winner here does not flinch with the, from the American tradition of giving back. We want our guys to give something back. They all were blessed with talent and coaching and everything else. So we want to pass that on. And I don't know or I haven't heard of any other award that puts a stipulation like that right on the trophy. Don't flinch about giving back. What else we do that's kind of different that he in his office has the Sun-Times Award from Chicago when he was in high school and they came out to the house and interviewed him and met mm-hmm. the family and everything like that. So that was one thing that we do is we sneak onto the campus with the trophy. Matt and I have done it many of times. Yes, we have. And that's been great. And we surprise the kid. We go, you know, so he's there with his family and his coaches and his teammates and on their campus rather than, 
you know, flying them around to different cities and having to go to award shows and stuff like that. We've surprised them at their award banquets, high school and colleges. So I've been all over. Yeah, it makes it so accessible and it goes to what you guys stand for. And beyond that, it just differentiates you from all the other awards. And it, I think you guys, you know, Matt and Matt should be commended. But Dick, you know, just being behind this for so many years and the people that you've awarded this to, the athletes, both high school and college and pro, they've all been outstanding individuals, right? So, I mean, it, it just goes back to kind of what we've been talking about here. You know, your family, your career, what you do on and off the field, it all matters. And it all adds up to a sum total of your life, right? So, to get these awards and accolades are great, but you got to have something of substance to go along with it. And you certainly have led that life and that career. And to have these guys carry out that name must be pretty something special for you. When I was doing the Bear Radio with Hub Arkush, I had heard somewhere, you know, in that press area, you know, whatever, late in the fall. And this guy was talking about all these award ballots that they get. You know, all these announcers get these ballots and you got to fill them out for All-American, this and that. Some guy says, well, you know, I get so bored with that. He said, I had my wife pick the players. And I'm like, what? Oh, man. And what so then, not? you know, yeah. <laughs> what are you nuts? Yeah. When, we, when we got this in 2008 and I, I asked, I need some help. I want the best selection committee, 51 guys. He went around in Nolan, right, Matt? Yep. Continue that. He's with the Raiders now, but he's, they compiled a 51 guys for selection committee, you know, from the press, coaches, general managers, whatever. Our winners, I heard from Ron Arp, our guy there with the foundation, and he handles all the PR stuff and everything. He got a call from a well-known coach that's still coaching today. He was asking him questions about some of our nominees now, this is how he goes. So that's telling me that, hey, our guys are making good choices here. Yeah. I, I mean, out of all the people that won the Buckus Award, I think only one did not make it with the Vikings. And he was a Florida kid who was picked because of, hmm, where was that committee at that time? <laughs> <laughs> so, you mean the, it, that goes back to the Orlando ties? That, you know, how hard to believe. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, that goes to the underscore what the award's all about. And, and to have a, a coach in the NFL tap into you guys to figure out about the intangibles of an award winner goes to, you know, the credit to what you guys have built and the nomination committee and the commitment that Matt and Matt and you and everybody has had to this award. So we are going to enjoy these conversations with you, Dick. We're going to continue this from time to time if you're okay with that. And I know our listeners are going to be okay with that. We're going to encourage them to send in some questions from time to time for you. We'll weed through them so they make sure they're not the ones you get a thousand one times in your career. But then we'll also do some trivia and things for people that uh, I know there's plenty of them out there that are huge 51 fans and bear fans. And so we'll continue this. And we have so many topics to cover with you that we can't. I mean, honestly, how can you do it in one podcast, the career of Dick Buckus and everything on and off the field? You know, I mean, there's so much here. So we're going to have a lot more to talk about down the road. Sounds good to me. Matt, yeah. any other further questions of our inaugural guest, the Buckus Beyond the Line podcast, like I said, could not start without Dick Buckus being our first guest. I kind of have a question. All right. A question. Yeah, yeah, let's throw well, one in there. You know, I'm a huge Rocky fan. And I was just curious, you know, having your namesake after the main character's dog, you know, where were you when you found out and how'd that make you feel? 
That's a great question. See, a lot of people don't know that. I was over at Universal Studios going over there for a reading or whatever, and who do I bump into? It's the Lester Salon. I didn't know him at, uh, before that at all or whatever. And I, hey, and I said, hey, what's, what's with the dog, man? You know, and he said, well, he's, uh, he's in this last one, but he's getting up there pretty good. You know, and I I was going to say, well, is there any residuals for that? Or, they uh, said, I think he had a quote that said he, uh, he named him that after he ate a security blanket. <laughs> so he was, he's like, so we called him Butkus after he ate the security blanket. Yeah, he, that's, that's the only, only time I uh, spoke. Well, oh, I just thought it was awesome. It's, I mean, just a testament to your name and, well, you know, and the legacy. Ray, you know, Ray Nitschke had his dog. He named his dog Butkus, too. Oh, nice. How many people know that? There's probably not a lot of people that know that Ray Nitschke named That's his dog awesome. Butkus. I have. I played with Mark Carrier. Remember Mark Carrier, the safety for the Bears? Yeah, I do, absolutely. From SC, mm-hmm. who's the Thorpe winner or whatever. He had a bulldog and named it Butkus. Now, my name's Peter. <laughs> I had a dog named Petey uh, in the Little Rascals, Dick. Do you remember that? Do you remember Petey? <laughs> not as ferocious, I don't little, think. The little guy. <laughs> Cute and little, right? right? Cuddly. That's more my style. You're not the ferocious uh, the uh, thing ma- on his man-eater. Right. Yeah, right, right. So, well, Dick, uh, thank you so much. You know, it's just a Good. joy to always talk to you. All right. Probably our next one will be at the Butkus Award. Yeah, that's February right. We'll, we'll, we'll see you at the Butkus Award. Good enough. Okay. Thanks, Dick. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. What a great interview. That was awesome. I mean, we got to kick off the inaugural episode with Mr. Dick Butkus himself going over family stuff, his experiences in life after football. Really, really good stuff. Not only incredible first interview, an incredible first episode of the Butkus Beyond the Line podcast. Thanks to the co-hosts, Matty Amendola, Matt Butkus, Follow us on our social channels if you could, please. Those are also listed in the show notes. And check out thebuckusaward.com for updates on this podcast and the Buckus Award. If interested in purchasing any number 51 merchandise, and why wouldn't you, please go to dickbuckus.com. And be sure to subscribe to Buckus Beyond the Line podcast on your favorite podcast platform.